0: Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief, and this time I'm not joined by Ben, but I'm joined by a new buddy. Hi, I'm Christopher McLeod, aka Diagnostic 80, from the Full Force podcast. Yeah, you better believe it. So, (laughs) first first of all, a quick thing, this is not Chris from Full Force being a guest on Talking Joe, this is a full-on Talking Force collaboration to... Superpowers coming together. I mean, to me, it's likened to the 1980s when, in WWF, when Hulk Hogan teamed up with Macho (laughs) Man Randy Savage, they formed the Mega Powers, which was an unstoppable force, brought low by a woman, but there's no woman here, so I think we're safe. I think we're okay. So which one would you be out of those two? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean... I was always a macho man fan myself. Oh great! So I'm, I, I get stuck with the the ruined Hulk Hogan now. Brilliant, so yeah.
1: yeah. I'll, better, I'll just tear my shirt off then. Yeah, let's get this going.
0: Fortunately, it's not a video cast. Well, well I don't know. I don't. I, I haven't seen what's underneath your shirt. So uh, yeah, let's not, move on. Let's uh, yeah, move let's let's move on quick. So what we're doing here is we're talking. <laughs> this is uh, the Easter special, and we're talking about Action Force Weekly. So specifically, those fifty issues which started in March 87 I believe and then uh, ran for 50 issues we'll come at the end we'll we'll discuss what happened post that run but for the time being how did th- this particular comic kind of come into your life as it were
1: well for me it was just walking into the news agents and seeing it there on display now we'd already had the kind of toys on the shelves, and I've been buying. I think Flint and Quick Kick were my first of the Hasbro Action Force figures, as opposed to the Palatoy Action Force, which I'd had a few hand me downs back in, you know, when I was a lot younger. I was born in 80, so wow. kind of 82. I was a little bit too young, but I had these kind of like our next door neighbor had a box of old Palatoy Action Force figures and vehicles, and they just gave it to me when I was probably about three or four years old. Um so I was kind of, you know, that that was my introduction I suppose to action force but then when 87 came around and we got the action force figures I was, you know, I was literally all over it as I was kind of like 6 7 years old in that year and um it it was like flint and quick kick were the first figures I ever bought and just blew me away at how amazing they were and what was interesting to me was the fact that the actual figures themselves on on the if you flip the file cards over they had, like, you know, Flint was was David Fairborn as opposed to Dashiel in the US. Yep. And also, he was born in Lincoln. So it was like, it was this really random thing yeah. where you're kind of like, oh, this is so cool. But then you're seeing the cartoon on the VHS tapes, which was, I think, dropped around 87, 88 kind of time when we started getting the VHS tapes. Uh, I remember picking up Worlds Without End and Flint's Vacation, like a double on, on tape. And just, like absolutely falling in love with them but being really confused because i was seeing gi joe on the vehicle markings on these videos and i yep. was hit. even though they were overdubbed so you got like full force, full force instead of yo joe and you got which is you know the reason for our, our podcast name yep. and you'd get action force replaced you know gi joe kind of things here and there
0: Freeze! This is as far as you go, Action Force.
1: And they'd also take out certain Americanisms, like, you know, uh, I think it was uh, bum was used as a <laughs> as a put-down, and they replaced it with jerk. Easy, sailor. Get a grip. Let me at I'll the jerk. Why, you, I oughta... <laughs> Which I kind of thought was like... Quite funny and still quite American at the same time. Yeah, definitely.
0: I don't think any of my friends have any ever called anyone a jerk. Exactly. Could
1: guarantee they called them like a or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) but the other thing that was really interesting was that they would take like bloody was taken out because that was deemed too violent a word to use uh, so instead of you bloody idiot it would be you blooming idiot right. so bloomings were kind of put in there and it was really funny to hear that overdub all right already i've got the blooming blueprints but so uh, there was a confusion there because you had flint from lincoln but with an american accent on the cartoon and in the comic you know and it was just like oh my god but then anyway when this comic came out it was i, I can't describe to you how back in the day we didn't have this constant, easy access to pretty much anything you ever wanted. And the fact that, you know, we didn't have that kind of streaming services and we didn't have the internet and all that kind of stuff, it meant that our internet were kind of comics, magazines, VHS tapes. That was the thing that we could replay over and over again at our own leisure. And that's where we would get all the fun and obviously playing with the toys, of course. But to build the worlds around the toys and, and your play patterns and all that kind of stuff... You really needed that character development, and you got it through these amazing comics and and cartoons. Yeah. So, again, like, walking into the newsagents and seeing the Action Force comic, it was it was big, it was bold, it was beautiful colours, it was amazing artwork, and the stories being so original to the UK just made them relatable as well. Uh, and then you'd get, in the back of the comics, you'd get a blooming reprint of the G.I. Joe comic. So yeah,
0: it was like... Yeah. Honestly, the confusion was 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 crazy as a kid. So were you familiar, from a comic standpoint, were you familiar with the G.I. Joe comic, which had obviously come out f- five years previous, in effect? This is a difficult question for me, because
1: I don't remember exactly when the G.I. Joe thing kind of started to make sense, because yeah. I was in the States uh, in 89 as a kid, so my mum and my dad and myself went on holiday to see our friends in Vegas... And we kind of, you know, stayed there for, like I think we were there for three weeks the first time. So we were there for a long period of time. And my mom and dad gave me some pocket money, and I spent the whole lot on G.I. Joe figures. Walking into a Toys R Us, or I don't think it was a Toys R Us, I think it was a, like one of the department stores. One of the kind of, it was a toy, you know, they had toys in there anyway. And we go into this this store, and the aisles are just, I've never seen anything like it, and I'll never see anything like it again. But it was just thick with gi joe toys all over the you know the, the aisles wall to wall it was unreal and i must have spent 150 bucks Ooch, nice. on on gi joe toys and so they basically i cut them off the cards obviously the the cards were all, were all kind of placed uh you know i was very careful as a kid i loved the artwork and i loved the file card so i kept all of that stuff i would just get rid of the, the plastic bubble you know, obviously I would tear it off, but it would be very careful. And then obviously all of the figures then went in this duffel bag of mine. And I just had this huge duffel bag of G.I. Joe figures from that, that year and then a few years previous where they'd had some of the other cool releases. So I knew of G.I. Joe, be- I knew of it being G.I. Joe then, and I think I must have pieced it together before I left for the for the US because I think we'd had friends... Go over to the US, and they'd come back, and their or their dads worked in the US, and they'd sent them toys back. So there was this kind of, like I suppose, like rumor going around that in the US they're called GI Joe, and then that was enhanced by the fact we would see GI Joe on the cartoon. You know, you'd see it yeah, on exactly. like the, the Mauler Tank or the or the Silver Mirage, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was. I don't I'm going to guess a little bit because my memory is so bad and I'm <laughs> and I'm about 5 years older than you but I was into Action Man alright a kid and <laughs> <laughs> before your time I guess and um I get it just seemed like a natural progression from a toy point of view to then get these smaller versions if although it wasn't connected but it, in my head as a kid it was yeah. you know just uh more of an expansive line of of smaller toys and that then and i was collecting i was not that it's com- the same but it's weekly i was getting be no dandy and i was getting oh. a little bit of 2000 ad but i wasn't really as hardcore into it as i would later become i would only yeah. pick up an odd issue of dread because it was a bit maybe a bit maturer for, you know oh yeah and um that's when the the action force comic had come out i wasn't hadn't read any gi joe comics at that point but it was just like wow this is this is the one i'm you know i'm 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 fully committed now so but i don't know where that i don't know where the action force comic actually where it came where it sprung from have you do you, you you may know better than me it's well, kind of origins
1: yeah i can take you through i'm going to take you through a brief history of uh, action force quickly um i'll try and be very quick with this um and it is written down so i will sound like a radio presenter <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Uh, Okay, so in 1982 and in an attempt to capitalise on the success of the Star Wars toys, a company located in Colville, Leicestershire, UK called Palatoy released a three and three quarter line of military five point of articulation action figures as well as vehicles and a playset based on their best selling 12 inch action man range from previous years called Action Force. So at that point we get all of those kind of you know, para, all like the different regiment kind of figures, basic kind of five point of articulation. So, is that we, the
0: ones I had, and I still got some of the, the the cards on the back? Is that the ones where there were like an SAS true No, there were, no, that was before that. Wasn't this it? is
1: prior to oh, the prior? the segregation of the subgroups, which are again is is quite interesting that it goes that way, and a lot of people think that it's. You know, it started off as Z Force and all that kind of stuff. This it, is where it was it just German
0: trooper, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And, right, okay, yeah. yeah, I do remember so, those. Yeah, kind of Arctic uh, assault. Of course, desert. you're saying five points of articulation, of course, which is just hips, shoulders, yeah. and head.
1: Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees... (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, so
1: at the same time, uh, literally the same year, and pretty much the same month in the US, Hasbro revealed their own three and three-quarter military toy line called G.I. Joe. They were highly articulated, far superior to Action Force range, and believe it or not, neither company knew of the plans of the other to do this, despite having a relationship built up from the 12-inch G.I. Joe and Action Man brands. So even though they had that connection, they didn't know that both of the you know both companies were working on yeah, three and yeah. three-quarter figures and this was all born out of the star wars boom you know that the fact that they they did the figures at three and three-quarter size and so it was like you know these are really popular so we should do that we should kind of jump on board I'm,
0: I'm absolutely gutted about that i had such a good me and ben and his brother gav we had such big star wars collections same solid. so I, I was massive i had like two attacks, like three yeah. x-wings it was wow horrendous house the size of it and i remember vividly i've got not many memories of it as a kid but one, <laughs> all the bad ones one one that stands out yeah is a car boot sale in a little town called verwood outside of a supermarket called safeway wow and which gav would Ben's brother gav would actually end up working there and i remember a car boot sale must have been i don't know uh, maybe 11 and maybe 10 and yeah uh, mountain bikes had just come out no one in the town had a mountain bike i was like, oh, I really want a mountain bike So i sold all my star wars at a car boot sale probably for like wow. 20p a figure all these vehicles got me enough to to buy a mountain bike which i think it's like 150 quid so i didn't get Mate. much and then yeah nothing left now. But anyway
1: I, I sold all mine for nothing at a car boot sale pretty much <laughs> like mom and dad were like You know, they didn't pressure me to do it, but it was like one of those things where they, when they gave you the option and said you could have some money at the end of this, you're kind of like, oh, okay. But it was reluctant anyway. And there were people waiting, like, there from, like, (laughs) literally the moment we put that stuff out there, like, gannets and. We were selling, like, the figures for, like, 50p a pop. I think I ended up with, like, 11 quid (laughs) by the end of it. And it was just like, oh, all of that for nothing. Anyway. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, so the relationship grows stronger over the next few years, um, and some G.I. Joe figures were used as vehicle drivers for the line. Uh, So that's when, I think it's 83, 84. Those are the years when, well, 83, when they start doing sub-teams, and you get Z-Force, Q-Force, Space Force, Red Shadows, and... Z Force, Q Force, Space Force, SAS Force, sorry, and Red Shadows were the
0: bad guys. Some of those were more than five-point articulation or not quite at that point. So I remember there was like on uh, there's a like a Yes, the, there the, was the a the red shadow there was a repaint of a hiss driver.
1: You had actually the um, you had Red Laser, who was a repainted Cobra Commander. You had Red Jackal, who was a repainted Destro. You had, in the G.I. Joe team, you had Snake Eyes was repainted and called Stalker, and he was just given, well, I say repainted, he was just painted like a grey face mask, okay. uh, just on, around the mouth. And then you had Blades, who was a SAS
0: Repaint of Tripwire. I've got that. I'm looking at it right now. I've got it in the cabinet right here. SAS Hawk and Blades. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that and was, and
1: again, that's the Fang repainted
0: as well. So repainted. And I had the other one. I had was the Mirage bike, which was paint repainted green and black, and had. I yep. think It was a repaint. Quarrel. Scarlet. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes. Quarrel as Scarlet. Absolutely. So yeah, the Were and Steeler as well with the with the tank. So oh, and also the big ones like Stalker and it was called Jammer. And gung ho called Goucho and they were the two figures included with the HQ, which was Z Force
0: HQ. Yeah, I've still got that jammer. I've um, I posted some pics up online when I, I came up to the loft a few months ago and had a route around nice. all the figures. I've still got a jammer, and I've posted it up. And I was inundated. I didn't. I hadn't. I've got no clue <laughs> about the collecting market at all, and I was inundated with people saying, Are "You selling? Are you selling? Are you selling?" Yeah, people love that figure, especially the
1: no camo jammer variant and the different camo. But honestly, there is a few, there's a few variants of that figure that just go for ridiculous money. So that was 83 and 84. And then in 1985, basically, Hasbro took over completely and said... Because this was... Basically, Palatoy were winding down, and that's a whole other episode of, of information to go through. But Palatoy were winding down as a company, and in 85, Hasbro basically just had all of the kind of figures, like Duke... Uh, and this is like a new rebrand of Action Force and Cobra Red Shadows were gone and kind of running simultaneously at the same time um, was this Battle Action Force comic. So Battle had featured Action Force in a a couple of strips early on and they were so popular that they decided to make Battle Action Force which was the IPC publication comic of the time and they did all of the you know the Action Force comics which a little plug of of our podcast but Brian Hickey and I do a a YouTube video series called Disorder of Battle, where we go through all of the different comic stories uh, together, review them, and all that kind of stuff. So, we'll be doing another one very soon. But we, I think we're only about five episodes in. So cool. you, can, you know, I should, you can catch uh, up. With that. Definitely check that out. They're fun because we do it's video based, so we look at the comic in depth. And, and, and this you know. is
0: this is on that sort of crappy old you know paper. Yeah, like newspaper print. Newspaper effectively. Print, yes. Yeah,
1: and again, there's there's a there's a charm to it. But you, you want comics to be, you know. Kind of like the real quality angle, but again, there's a real charm to these comics and some beautiful artwork as well. But anyway, we're not doing battle action for us, so. That was kind of running simultaneously to this scenario. Now, when it got to this part of the storyline in 85, where Hasbro were basically just pumping out Action Force and Cobra figures on Palatoy-backed cards, even though they rebranded it with the different logos, you still had the yellow and red kind of card backs. So they're, they're kind of putting them out for a year in 85 Duke was was there, Baroness, you know, Destro, all those kind of guys, Storm Shadow. The, the classic run were all out on the Palatoy cards. So at the same time in the Battle Action Force comic, they go ahead and make Baron Ironblood, who was the bad guy for Red Shadows, yep. they do a storyline called World Enemy Number One where the Action Force basically chase him down, he flees, and then turns himself into Cobra Commander and kind ah. of basically dumps all the red shadows in the, in the craft effectively and then he starts cobra and it's funny because he even like he says he's been injecting himself with cobra venom for in this like you know in secluded kind of mayan temple somewhere in the jungle and red jackal tracks him down and he proposes to him i'm now cobra commander i'm stronger than ever and all this kind of stuff and you're going to be destro so that this kind of how they did it in the comics because obviously it was still going to be IPC publications it's still Battle Action Force and they still wanted to keep that branding so that happened. Anyway, once it gets to the end of 85 palatoy go under completely hasbro take over they take over all operations and all that kind of stuff as they do and from that point on we have a two-year break and in 87 they just go ahead and rebrand Gio Joe as action force so you've got like similar card backs kind of the black card backs with the digital explosion and action force branding all over it and that's where you have the file cards that we were talking about earlier on where you've got like dave fairborn and you know all all the different kind of names and birthplaces and and slightly different bios in some cases
0: as well it's funny you should mention the bios because uh that is actually going to form something that i'm going to ask you about so i might as well actually start now is it a pop quiz it's an an action force Force Force. pop quiz (laughs) pop quiz it's an action force pop quiz pop quiz question one Brilliant. Within the pages of Action Force Weekly, as you will know, there were intelligence profiles. Oh, brilliant! Yes, and as you have alluded to, some of the details in there were contrastingly different to what uh, GI Joe fans were used to. So, I will do. I'll do four of these to start oh with as part goodness. of question one. So, <laughs> um, uh, Alison R. Uh, Hart Burnett is Ooh, yes of Lady J Lady J she has her primary specialty listed as intelligence what is yes. her secondary specialty oh my listed god, as oh god
1: you're testing me on <laughs> secondary specialties if i um oh goodness me let me think so she she wasn't special services i think she was um Oh, this is really going to bug me if I don't get this.
0: There's no shame in getting any of these wrong because I did not know any of them, even some of the uh, primary ones, so...
1: Oh, I'm going to use my brain on this one. She was in a story that I read recently because obviously I've had to do research on this when she was in the Sky Striker with Ace. So I'm going to say something like aircraft pilot or something.
0: Aircraft co-pilot? I am giving it to you. That is sensational work there, Chris. Amazing. That Um, was a...
1: That was just... I'm just trying to be intelligent and it worked.
0: Um. (laughs) Okay. Brad J Armbuster Ace, yes. Primary is pilot for fixed-wing aircraft, and secondary. Oh, he's intelligence. He is intelligence.
1: I know that because Ace is one of my favourite ever figures okay. of all time. Yeah, and with that Skystrike is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Scarlet is next. Miss O'Hara. Intelligence is her primary. She's just going to be the same as Jay, isn't she? She is aircraft copilot. How the does this man know it? He's got him in. For, he's got the issues in front of him. I'm
1: just making this up as I go along. <laughs> I was actually going to say ninja, but before uh, before I did that, I said that out loud, and you took it as the answer. So I'm happy okay. with that. Okay.
0: <laughs> and the last one for now is um, Liho Ito. Oh, quick kick, quick kick. Uh, pri- well, you can even try and go for primary if you want to. You're on a your roll. Oh, he was he was infantry. He was and infantry, primary, and what was this what In- intelligence? Yeah, intelligence. Oh, you're too good. Anyway, I,
1: dude, I have studied, <laughs> like studied the well, the, the profiles and all that kind of stuff. I absolutely loved that as a kid like that was i'm such a nerd when it comes to that that stuff especially with the uk stuff not not so much with the american like i love the comic and i've read it multiple times but i feel like the action force stuff maybe because it's a smaller run but it
0: just stays in me, you know okay. what I mean? Well, we got five more of those, and and we'll hold. I'll hold those back for later on. Awesome. And uh, now I cannot remember where I interrupted you.
1: Don't know. I I remember. It's all okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, Palatoid going under, Hasbro takeover, eighty-seven card backs, and all that kind of stuff. And they started releasing. Uh, I thought I was, knew where I was. Yeah. So they they did all of the changes and all of the file card stuff, obviously to relate to kids in the UK and obviously sell to them. Um, But at the same time, they decided to create a comic to help market the product, uh, and it made complete sense to use Marvel UK, because it was Marvel in the US who produced the G.I. Joe comic at the time. It was edited by Richard Starkings and his assistant Steve White, who also actually worked on the comic, I think they both worked on the comic as well uh, at times, but the Action Force-specific strips had no single creative team and were produced by a variety of talent, Including the writing class of Simon Furman and Mike Collins, an art from Kev Hopgood, who I believe is you've been speaking to recently. I have. I'm hoping unreal.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping we'll be able to put that up as well. As as people are listening to this, it might already have gone up. If not, it's probably going to go up directly after this.
1: Can't wait to hear that. And Jeff Senior, who obviously is a massive name in the G.I. Joe and Transformers kind of world, to name but a few. Uh, And we'll talk, I I imagine, about more of the guys involved as well. The first issue was published on the 1st of March 1987, with a cover date of the 7th of March 1987, and came packaged with issue 2 completely free. It lasted almost one year and 50 issues, coming to a close on the 7th of February 1988, due to poor sales which just blows my mind because I was I was just all over that stuff when it came into the news agents we would have like a you know the or when you ordered a comic in if you know like they they would always have it in for you every time and but the problem was in some of my old comics I own they scrib- rid- scribbled my name yep. in the top corner which was such a f- English thing to do, I, wasn't I've, it?
0: I've got that. I'm looking at my... So my issues here, I had all 50 issues hard bound into a custom collection. Which uh, I'm so jealous about. Like, like you said, I did post some pictures uh, before, but I'll post them again up online so people can see. Um, I, I'm looking at some issues here and it's got a big scrawl of surname, <laughs> you know, up in the corner. But, uh, ugh, brutal. I mean, I <laughs> don't know. At the anything. time as a kid, I didn't really care. But then when I went through the, my prime comic collecting years, oh, yeah, yeah. I was a bit tough off because yeah. I was one of those backboard uh, it and bag it and no creases, you know, yep. in that kind of boom period. But now I'm a bit more sort of laissez-faire about the whole thing. You know? If it's got a wrinkle or a crease, I don't really care at all.
1: I'm actually the other way around. I think as a kid, I was I was very careful with the figures and all that kind of stuff, but with the comics, I would read them so much they would just turn to dust. Like, you know, the, they would just be like so warm through with reading and and like folding open to kind of draw stuff and trace things and I was just so besotted with those with those things, like the comics. It was just it was just like an amazing world for me. And obviously we're not talking about the monthly comic which followed this. But I'm sure we could do that uh, A later date with another crossover yeah. But that's another one to, to, that's really interesting And the US factions will know that As European missions Yes. yes.
0: But yeah anyway So that's the history but, Well I'm, I'm exceptionally glad I had you on And uh, <laughs> Well not I had you on Because it's a collab and it wasn't just me and Ben Bumbling around because um, you've, uh, you've proved <laughs> your worth right there my friend Brilliant Right. I'm going to actually open up my collected volume And we'll start oh. discussing some of these issues I'm looking in the front. I've actually got some signatures here. Uh, oh, Jeff Senior, Kev Hopgood, Lou Stringer, Mike Collins. Lou Stringer. Uh, Combat Simon Colin Kerman. fame. Yeah, Brian Hitch. Uh, wow. I even got Larry Harmer to sign this one as well, even though wow. well, I guess it's, he's got content in there.
1: IP. And also, yeah,
0: you've got the <laughs> US yeah. stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. Amazing. So
1: issue, issue one then.
0: Yes. So this is, like you say, this was bagged. Kind of wait well, at the top. It actually says number two presented free with this issue and yes. cover. You've got Flint on the middle, Lady Ga flanking on the right, Footloose on the left. Full colour, only thirty two p. Action packed first issue.
1: Unreal pricing. Unreal yes. pricing. Yes.
0: Uh, so this is this is good. And the first thing that actually strikes me is, and this is consistent with the run, is that Flint and Lady Ga kind of take centre stage, don't they?
1: Yes, Flint was the Duke of the Action Force team. There you team. go. Yep. And to be honest, he, his image was used more than I think any other Action Force character on all the merchandise. He's he's on literally everything. Any you would look in Woolworths or WH Smith or anything when you were a kid growing up, you'd see Flint on something.
0: They did that Marvel thing where in the top left, this is Marvel UK obviously, but they did the thing that Marvel US were doing where they've got their little box where you've got the date and the cover price. And they also have a little thumbnail picture of one of the characters and here it, yeah. like you say it is Flint. Does that stay consistently as Flint throughout the whole 50? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I flick forward. Oh, yeah, I flick forward issue 21. It's him. Maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so this, this first, they're individual kind of story names, but it is kind of a six-issue arc, yeah. which is loosely kind of titled as Coils of the Serpent.
1: Yeah, this is Gunboat, the first one, and that runs into, like, Hit and Run or something like that. Yeah,
0: so this is basically what this is, introducing the team, you know, who the... Heroes and villains are. Um, this is Simon Furman and Kev Hopgood, like you mentioned, as as the creators here, and um, it's a it's a great intro, big time.
1: Also, a couple of things I want to say about this opening page: the image of shipwreck and barbecue infiltrating the boat. Is just one of my all time beautiful images of Action Force and G.I. Joe. It's one of those ones where you, it's kind of almost imprinted into my brain. And this is the basis for any of my play patterns when I was a kid. Like I would always think of like what they were doing initially, you know, going into like, you know, what mission it was and all that kind of stuff. And I just love the way this is positioned and. And it's just gorgeous. I just love it in in all sorts. And the other thing I want to mention is the fact that we see our first ever new character or character specific to the action force Run, and that's Trent.
0: Yes, yes, he's obviously exclusive to to Action Force.
1: He's the Ministry of Defence liaison and Action Force command.
0: So would he have a would he have an opposite? Do you reckon in GI Joe world or not really? He's kind of a.
1: It's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's he's almost like he's like Hawk, but then in certain aspects he's not. I, I would suggest that he's more on like a kind of a general flag. So it's
0: between flag and and Hawk, in my opinion. Like so you've he's got this. He's not actually part. Sorry, I He's not actually part of Action Force. Is he just like a liaison or? Almost.
1: He's in command of Action Force. Right. But he is like, so basically Action Force operates almost as like a, it's like a sole proprietorship. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're operating like as a Ministry of Defence faction, but but also there's a, there's a separate element to them. It's almost as if they've got, I don't know, it's just like, you know, paperwork up the wazoo. So I think that <laughs> it's mentioned that he is the MOD liaison, which means to me that Action Force is almost like a, a separate entity.
0: Yeah. Yeah and what's happening here basically he's I'm flipped over now he's briefing the team uh, yep. they're going to they're going to try and infiltrate boat that's kind of docked on the Thames because there's a big weapons shipment coming in and destro's involved etc and I'm looking at the team so we've got Flint Lady J Barbecue Shipwreck and Footloose mm, good team great team yeah and uh, you know Trent go or Flint goes to say to each member what they're going to do how they're going to be disguised and actually with Footloose because we're getting him here now in Action Force, and when the G.I. Joe reprints start coming into the comic, Footloose doesn't get introduced till much later in the G.I. Joe run. Yeah. They actually rename him in Action Force as Longslide. <laughs> you Have you seen that? I in the actual in the backup strip. So in the yeah in the backup yeah, yeah, reprint yes. of GI Joe, you can see someone's tipexed out, Footloose and yes. put long slide
1: because they. It's some funny little things like that with the continuity as well. But we'll we'll get onto that later. Yep, You're yep. right, but yeah, long slide, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I love the fact that with the Action Force comic, more so than the GI Joe one, you see the characters kind of like without their all of their uniform sometimes like with with footloose he's not wearing his helmet but i guarantee in like You'd see him most of the time, he'd be wearing that helmet even if he was just chilling out, like especially in the cartoons.
0: <laughs> oh, this is, it's a great introduction. The colours as well are really popping, even on these, beautiful. you know, these issues that are thirty plus years old. Beautiful. The artwork is sensational.
1: The the perspective, that one of him where Footloose is standing in the, the window, like looking down onto the street, yep. that's a beautiful, you know, kind of composition. There's just so much they put so much into this, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think when I spoke to, to Kev um last week, this was only kind of really his second big job. He'd been doing Zoids. Wow. Yes. Part of that was with Grant Morrison, the tail end of that run. and then, Crazy. Which was Marvel UK. It was the comic was Spider-Man and the Zoids. And then just kind of segued over into, into this. So I think he knew Richard Starkins, who... For those that don't know, Richard Starkins went on to be very, very big in the world of comic book lettering, and then mm. obviously... Digital as well, right? Digital and editing, you know, a jack-of-all-trades, if you will, and wrote uh, the, the great uh, Elephant Men series for Image Comics.
1: Yeah, he's a big deal, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, He's, he's, he's at deal.
0: most uh, UK cons, so every time I go to a UK con, I always pop by, say hello, and see what he's, see what he's got on his table.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And then we get, obviously we get the
0: reveal of uh, Cobra and Destro's involvement, Cobra
1: Commander and Destro's involvement, and they're unmasked as well.
0: I wonder if yeah, I wonder if this is reminiscent of that. We just covered it on the Talking Joe podcast a couple of episodes ago. There's an unmasked issue where yeah. Destro and Cobra Commander are trapped under the pit and they have to take their masks off. And this is kind of a similar-ish scene or setting. So I, I do wonder how much of G.I. Joe, or if any, Simon... Or any of the writers or any of the artists were aware of, or had been reading, or what they were supplied with as reference.
1: I wonder. Who, I don't. I actually don't know who was kind of like the the main brainchild behind the overall aspect of everything. I don't know if it was probably Richard Starkings. Maybe was doing a lot of the dis- decision making yeah. from that point of view because
0: he was editing at this point as well, was he? Yeah, right.
1: editing okay. and doing other little bits and pieces here and there. Because you know what it's like back then. Like you don't. You think of these companies or like the Marvel UK company as being this massive. thing thing like the the action force thing but it would have been like just these guys like cranking this stuff out at yeah, ridiculous yeah. deadlines you know
0: <laughs> and the beauty i've got here of having all these single issues is on the back cover of issue one is an advert for thundercats crisps oh i love them it's so much it says new thundercats crunchy potato snacks and they come in two flavors crispy bacon and <laughs> barbecue perfect and they also come with a free set of thundercats glitter stickers
1: oh my god they, i remember those as well Ah, oh. they were tasty man weren't they they were good they were the good. artwork the artwork for thundercats as well that has to be mentioned yes the one they use on the crisps that kind of group shot the original artwork of that is mind-blowing really like it is just so beautiful and detailed and oh it's gorgeous but yeah I, man those crisps I've, i can taste them right now <laughs> good stuff
0: Um, yeah so let's just wrap one wrap up and let's move on to the rest of this sort of arc because you know it's going to set us up well for the future of these issues and i just love this cover that
1: do. oh it's the best and you've i've might have given away or we might have both given away our yeah. favorite cover well we,
0: we will <laughs> yeah we will at some point during this episode we'll, we'll take a look at what our favorite covers are but i'll be surprised if this doesn't sort of feature in our oh, top both our top threes God, at least it's
1: just perspective it's dynamic it's snake eyes looking absolutely bad <laughs> Yep. It's an eel. This is the thing, like the Action Force comics made the bad guys dangerous and they made them look bad to the bone.
0: And it also it also gave a sort of voice or some gravitas to just the Cobra Foot Soldier. Whereas Absolutely. in G.I. Joe it was all about the the hierarchy of the, the, the big boys. Whereas here, you know, there's some Crimson Guards play in several different stories they get individual you know personalized treatment and here this lowly eel has you know taken on some of the best we've got to offer and you know he's made a getaway
1: yeah and then he like obviously he's in pursuit by snake eyes and scarlet and he ends up getting out into the i suppose the open through a manhole cover because that's where (laughs) the action force base is by the way yep. it's uh it, the hidden secret facility is under the in the sewers of london
0: yeah so on this first page it's actually in the background it's got a tube sign for westminster amazing so and then down the side i'll put this up this is interesting it's in very small font down written in vertical text down the side of the front page i'm just going to turn it so i can read it it says warning scarlet and snake eyes are highly trained action force personnel on no account should you play on london (laughs) underground tracks
1: and i'm sure everyone took you know that notice of
0: that yeah because these are for the purpose of new readers these are american operatives from action force and they've come across the pond to take this captured eel back to the states
1: yep and and like i said he makes his getaway does some damage as well he um manages to evade Snake Eyes and Scarlet, which is, you know, that's that's
0: some skills right there. Scarlet, in actual fact, takes a... She's taken like a harpoon straight through the bicep. Ouch. Jeez, and Snake Eyes has been whacked on the back of the head with a harpoon gun. So this eel is like <laughs>
1: possibly the, the greatest ever cobra operative of all time. You got it. Who does he turn out to be? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I suppose uh, it's run to ground then, isn't it? That we get to yes yes and this is where we see some really cool things and one thing that i was hoping to ask kev face to face when you but obviously you've spoken to him now did you discuss the possibility of a hidden in the um in this particular issue no no okay
0: i'll leave that to you if you interview him because i know you're keen to do that and i think he's up for (laughs) he's mentioned he's up for it as well so awesome please do
1: well um this is the thing like he has actually mentioned on on his Facebook page, I think recently, that the colorist, um, who I believe at the time might have been Steve White, Correct, doing yeah. that. So he said that that he drew that. Well, he basically the the eel does a does a job on all of these punks, these classic '80s kind of. Cyberpunks on the streets of London, one of which is wearing uh, Tiger Force trousers, by the way. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at that page now. This is brilliant. So he's got Tiger Force trousers, one of them's got a pink mohawk, one of them's dressed like someone from the village people, and he's swinging a chain around.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's Dreadnoughts before Dreadnoughts, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. So, I'm looking uh,
0: Oh, I I say. Where's the.
1: Okay, so go to go to the page after the eel has done a job on everybody. Yep. And at the top of the page, you've got them all laying on the street, all kind of bashed out. Yep. If you look at the second panel at the top, with Snake Eyes and Flint like voyeuring over this naked body... I see it. He's, I see it. There's, now, he's actually stated that Steve just didn't colour that section blue, which would have then looked like the actual thing. But I still think to this day that that's his wang. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll post a picture or we'll let the listeners decide. We'll do a I'll do a poll. There's a poll on that image. But anyway, yes. Yeah. Um so
1: he then obviously makes his escape dressed as one of these cyberpunks, wearing the, the Tiger Force trousers, and yeah. something I've got to point out here on the next page, is the London bus has got a Transformers advert on it, which is brilliant yeah, in a marketing. It's got
0: Galvatron, it? I think it is. It is, yeah. This is, again, what and, and again, I don't know what the collaborative process was. I, I probably should have asked Kev at the time or whether it was Simon <laughs> or Kev, but I mean, they've made it very localised, haven't they? I, we know yes. it's in London, but they've the buses and even the way they've you know, drawn some of these arches leading into Hyde Park or wherever it is, or the, the the benches. It looks very Londony.
1: Yeah, big time.
0: Which is, you know, a great little unique sort of thing, I guess.
1: And that that's the thing as well, obviously, kind of relating it to us as, as kids. Like, if you're doing this in the States, and like, I don't think there would have been an issue. I think we'd have been kind of like, you know, I suppose, intrigued at what the US was like, in a way. We were, I mean, we were getting the media constantly through TV, so I don't know why they were too worried about, you know, them not, selling to the uk market but they this is what they did and and to be honest i'm glad they did because it's given us this whole different kind of universe really
0: yeah definitely definitely
1: anyway we then make it to
0: tasty burger we make it to tasty burger yes
1: what do you think that's a reference to burger king mcdonald's
0: yeah i think it's gotta be i think wimpy yeah <laughs> well it's, that's a great segue it's an action force pub quiz, quiz. Pub quiz it's an action force pub quiz, quiz Pub quiz. quiz amazing so, in issue 7, we see the Tasty Burger Bar. <laughs> Bazooka and Shipwreck have popped in for some grub. What oh, do they brilliant.
1: order? Okay, so Bazooka, he loves his like like elongated food just like his weapon. Yep. That sounds really dodgy. No salads I'm, here. I'm going to say that he well, yeah, he is. Have you seen his his modern day figure is huge. <laughs> yeah. His Every time he's depicted, he's either this huge hulking or guy or a fat guy. So I would have to say it's all meat, huge amounts of like whatever the biggest thing on the menu is for for Bazooka. And who else was in there? Did you say? Uh, shipwreck. Shipwreck. Oh, shipwreck's going to have seafood. Right. <laughs> he's going to have the surf and turf burger. Okay. <laughs> right. How's that?
0: Yep, yep or, that'll do. That'll do. that would do me.
1: No parrot food because no. that
0: would be really. Yeah. That would be harsh. Wouldn't it? <laughs> parrot meat. Oh so what's happened here then? Snake Eyes has actually infiltrated a Cobra Chopper, hasn't he? He it's has. We- have, I, have I skipped ahead? No, no, this is right. So yes. um,
1: he's in the Tasty Burger and he's getting evac off the roof of it. The eel, who's now tasty, dressed as a cyberpunk. The Tasty Burger's a front. It's a Cobra front. And it also has a massive roof, because this helicopter's <laughs> like... <laughs> landed huge and yeah. also i would love to see this in toy form this is like the cobra transport copter that never
0: was it actually appeared in quite a few comics didn't it i think mm. in in gi joe it appeared in that um, michael golden drawn annual yeah. issue as well i think
1: oh god the annuals yeah god yeah um, well i suppose that's something we have to discuss because that came out in 88 well one of them did came yeah. out in this run didn't it yeah at least one that richard starkings had to oh i was about talking about
0: of. the um the gi joe uh, not oh annual. sorry i oh, sorry yearbook. i was talking about the yearbook yes yearbook, yearbook. no worries um, I don't actually have any Action Force annuals. I think I had a 1987 one once, but I don't have oh it anymore. God. And I thought that just reprinted the GI Joe story about the formation of Cobra Island. Am I yeah. wrong? Was there an original UK strip in there as well?
1: There's all sorts of stuff in there. The only original thing in there is the text story. Okay, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, like, I love those annuals for for those reasons. They just yeah. oh. and the artwork. There's loads of there's loads of exclusive artwork when you open the the kind of sent the the inner. Kind of intro, you know, like when you open the the first yeah, page, you've got, and they've got, got, they've got, got that kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a double page. I think they just called end gorgeous. papers or something like that. That works. Maybe the end, the front and back end papers <laughs> yeah. are just gorgeous. I love them. Cool. Anywho, yeah. So Snake Eyes, you're right. He he jumps on the helicopter as it's evacing, and there's Flint on the roof going. <laughs> oh, no, he's he's going snake snake eyes, yeah. question
0: mark? And this this next one is Coils of the Serpent, where I think this is... Oh, fought yeah, now onto four, I think. And this is some where Kev Hopgood is really, really doing some spectacular stuff. You get the uh, Silent Castle. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. He renders a great version of it there. And uh, his, Kev Hopgood's depiction of snake eyes could be one of my favourite... He could be one of my favourite snake eyes artists.
1: Every panel, he just looks... Unbelievably cool, doesn't he? And I love it when you get the perspective from below looking up, and you see the visor, and that shape of the visor just looks brilliant. And there's that second panel in the second page. I love how he looks in that. But yeah, and I suppose we should mention as well the fact that there's a really odd continuity kind of crossover in these comics, where you know the reason we're seeing this Silent Castle is because he's they're kind of tying it in in a weird way with Silent Interlude. Uh, not necessarily in this issue, yep. but in uh, in issues to follow, which I always found kind of weird, but I suppose they were doing it for the backup strips, not to tie it into the US continuity, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess because I, w- I was kind of looking at... Sections where that actually happens, and I think one of them is in definitely in issue seven, where Gung Ho gets sliced up by Storm Shadow,
1: and they reveals the Arashikagi tattoo. And that that's why,
0: because when they start, because when they when we start getting reprints in Action Force of the of the back material, it doesn't start from GI Joe one. No, it kind of starts around twenty something. (laughs) Yeah, it starts around Zartan. It's around twenty five. Yeah. And Silent Interlude, which was obviously 21, isn't kind of in the same place. They don't put it before 25. It just kind of floats around. But yeah, so 25 is where Gung Ho is already in the hospital. And so to justify why he's in the hospital have been cut up, which happened in G.I. Joe 24, the Russ Heath guest art one awesome. where cobra commander escapes and storm shadow jumps out of a tree and cuts him instead they have a story and uh jeff senior art where it's it's amazing stuff where storm shadow cuts down gung-ho yeah and brutally as well that's another thing
1: about these comics i'd like to mention um, more so in battle action force it was violent as, as all hell but they don't really hold back even in the weekly issues there's like a real I don't know, there's a real kind of violent edge to it, more so than any of the US comics. Yeah,
0: definitely. Because, I mean, even even just finishing off this, this first arc, Snake Eyes is in the, the Silent Castle. He's now escaped. We, we get the Dreadnoughts, who have been let loose to hunt him down through the snow. And like you say here, Snake Eyes gets shot, and he's bleeding... You know, and then they're actually depicting the blood on a on a letter that he wants to... A telegram or a, a fax or whatever he wants to send to team. A telex, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, he's written down. I want to send a telex. Brilliant. But, you know, I, I'm sure the depiction of blood was probably something that was potentially frowned upon, but...
1: Unfortunately, the telex didn't have anything written on it either because he didn't... He couldn't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what's, oh, it's from Snake Eyes. What does it say? It doesn't say anything.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, the, uh, seeing the dreadnought... I, I love how... Even though this is one kind of continuous arc, it's so different from story to story visually as well. Like, there's a real like now we're in the snow of all things. Like, who would have expected that after the Silent Castle? Like straight, you know, straight away, it's like wow. Yeah, and it's
0: just it's just beautiful. This is something that British creators have always been good at, especially with. 2000 AD being an anthology and only having five or six pages to tell a story even though it's part of a multi-story this is kind of what you what you've touched on there even though six issues kind of is the overarching storyline and plot each one's individual and within five or six pages these creators are able to tell a story with a start and an end that is you know not rare it's rarely seen in us style comics yeah
1: i got to the point now in reading recent comics as well where you can tell when the story is getting a bit tired and they're just not really trying or they're just struggling for ideas and you'll get that thing where it doesn't it ends but you you turn the page looking for the next page like thinking like well hang on there's no indication this is the end of the story yeah there's nothing to really say that and i'm not saying you need to have an end but something like a little mini cliffhanger or like, you know, something that could be that could lead into something else. And it sometimes it's just left open and it's I, I find that really lazy. So what they did with the Action Force comics, you're right, it's like they made these really like compact little
0: stories and they work standalone but also together in yeah. six issue arc.
1: And now we're in Paris. Yeah, the
0: team has, has tracked down some Cobra terror plot to blow up the Eiffel Tower. Of course. Why
1: not? This is another good thing. It's 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 international global. We're moving around the world. I I yeah. like that.
0: And we've got a couple of Ben's favourites here. We've got Airtight and Alpine showing up. Brilliant. All the A's. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, so- <laughs> like we were saying earlier, you know, this isn't specifically Destro or Cobra Commander, this is just Crimson Guardsmen, both and very interesting, uh, male and female, which was which yeah. was really nice to see.
1: Yeah, like already quite progressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back then. And uh yeah, you're right. Again, this goes into that that thing you're talking about with the eel, like making a trooper like interesting, but also selling the crimson guard figure. Which I don't think really needed that push because it was such a bad figure in the first place. I wanted that as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That's mine." I need need. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) you can see that they're like trying to say, "Well, hey, it's not just a trooper. You can actually do things with these with these characters." You know, it's almost like giving the kid the the idea. Yeah. Which is brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You saying uh, need I. I've got a card back of an old Palatoy one uh, with the first those first wave of Action Force characters that we know as GI Joe characters. Yeah, and on the back I've I've written and this would have been you know when they came out when the cards came out and I've put need need got got <laughs> need bad need bad need amazing. bad amazing. Uh, amazing that
1: is just so that is such a british thing i think i mean it might be an english uh, american thing as well but the whole thing of like you know trading panini stickers and cards and all that kind of stuff it was always like Got need shiny. Yeah. It was always oh. those are the three words you ever heard yeah. as a kid in a playground. Yeah. Got got need need shiny,
0: and like it, that was. It's <laughs> what is the value? Is a shiny worth five? Is it worth ten? Does it depend, oh. depend on the shiny? Depends on the shiny, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you had just like half of like QPR, yeah. I don't think you really cared too much that it would just have a shiny background. It, and
0: and again, I'm to you. I, I'm not actually looking down here to my right. I dug out. Uh, uh, Mexico 1986 sticker album. Oh, you beauty. Uh, PK was the uh, the mascot, and I'm looking at the England team. Peter Shilton <laughs> in goal. Shilton, uh, Shilton. Oh, my goodness. Um, and it Parker? It's not, it's, uh, who's in? No. Um, oh, no, that would have been 90, would have been wouldn't 90. it? So, 86
1: would have been...
0: Oh, goodness me. You want to have a guess? Or no, strikers? no. L-
1: l- I'm not doing a football pop
0: quiz. <laughs> <laughs> strikers. Oh, God. Hurst? No. No. Um,
1: well, God, 86. Think, um, think.
0: I'm going to put you out of your misery. It's not Lineker, is <laughs> it? It is Lineker,
1: yes. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, not Gascoigne. He was 90, no. right? Yeah. So, it would have been Lineker.
0: Uh, uh, Ryan Robson. Ryan Robson. Robson midfield. was in there for midfield, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, Keegan? No, nope. after his time. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Oh, no, you're going to have to put me out of my uh, misery. Up
0: front, you had uh, Lineker. They listed Chris Waddle as a Waddle. Fudge,
1: of course. I had his haircut. Yeah, he's got a
0: mullet in this. Most of the team have got a mullet, actually. Kerry <laughs> Dixon, who was a forgotten oh, Chelsea striker, big time, and Mark Hateley, Hateley <laughs> <Paitley>. Rangers, <laughs> At the time, Bloody he was at, it says at the time he says he was at Milan, but yes, Rangers legend. So yeah, no go. one no one knows of his Milan days. They only <laughs> know of his his successful.
1: Yeah a scottish premier league yeah anyway yep. brilliant sorry okay well that was nice that was a nice side <laughs> side issue
0: so yeah that kind of that that's that's the six issues they, they foiled the plot in the off- I was by the say, way the office they... tower does not blow up <laughs> alpine and airtight and the crew they managed to you know subdue the crimson guardsmen and um all is well
1: is that a missing tash on footloose by the way i think you could be right you know last page i believe he's missing his tash yes Yes, Oversight. Or Someone Forgot To Colour It In Again and It Looks Like A Instead.
0: (laughs) No one told him he had a on his face. (laughs)
1: Amazing. Uh.
0: What would be your next highlight of the series then, Chief? Well, the next issue has got Jeff Senior Art, uh, which is obviously a highlight, but from a story point of view I would, I'm going to probably skip forward to the story arc rigged which is in oh, issues Oh that's my favorite Is it your favorite I'm not I don't well. think it's my favorite but this is issues 10 to 13 Jeff Senior's on art for 11 and 12.
1: I bloody love this story for a couple of reasons that I'll explain at the end.
0: In fact, just before we jump onto that, I've come across this page here. And if you don't mind, we'll just discuss this quickly. Yes, go Uh, for it. This is something the comic had every now and again. It's called the TAC page, the TAC page. TAC. I don't know what that stands for. I'm going to say tactical something something. Do you know? Uh, I do know.
1: It's the... While you're looking that up... Go the attack
0: page would highlight different vehicles and weaponry. But the, the thing I loved about it is someone... Pres- Tactical Arms Compendium. There you go. There you go. Build a library. Build a little library of, <laughs> of uh, arms. And <laughs> the thing I liked about it is it would have a specialist who would speak about the, the weapon. So it wasn't just, you know, bland text. So here we've got Footloose, and he's telling us about the Winchester 12-gauge shotgun. Amazing. Which is officially known as the Defender. But known by most soldiers as the trench gun flint's own trench gun is a customized marine weapon which uses chrome plated stainless steel for protection against salt corrosion <laughs> there <you laughs> there's go. some
1: detail there isn't there this
0: is particularly useful for flint as action force operations often take place at sea the wooden stock has been removed and replaced by a pistol style hand grip this reduces the length of the gun so it makes it easier to conceal and handle in confined spaces amazing there you go. do you know what's really cool
1: about this as well it was at the time I was really big into kind of SAS guns, and there was a collected series of of magazines called Combat and Survival. Do you remember those?
0: I do. I don't think I had any.
1: I used to love them. And then there was there was also I think like a it was like a Guns and Ammo style kind of similar thing called like like I think it was just called like Guns and Weapons and Guns. I can't remember what it was called now. But again, like I was so into all of the different details that when these things were in the in the comics. I was like, you know, just in my element, going nuts, reading these things and and just loving every second of it. The amount of detail that went into this is so, I don't know, far and away more than than anything else that's come after it. You don't get that level of detail in yeah. in in these things anymore do
0: you yeah and i mean it wasn't just they did tack pages for then they did them they did some as posters didn't they center page spreads yep and yep. i actually had those which on, i had them on my wall well, i had those yeah. on my wall as well yes so some of these are missing from my issues uh, but i think i've still got the sky striker one possibly the dragonfly and the snow At the sticking yeah. up. don't have the mauler one but also, this tag page would even do things like... I found one which was the Mars GM 212 Thermite Grenade. Yeah. I mean, if you ever need to know about that, then this is the place to go. So
1: There was the M16A1 with M16, or M603 Grenade Launch or ah, something like that that was I, stuck in my head for I, years. I, I
0: have this one here as well. It's it's Footloose again, and he's telling us about the M16 M203. Oh, nice. So, the M16... <laughs> nice armor light rifle may not be the world's best assault rifle but it has sent many a cobra trooper diving for the dirt but it's the one that was given to me yeah (laughs) Uh, the gun weighs 3.72 kilograms and fires 5.56 caliber bullets at a range of up to 800 meters i use a number of accessories with my m16 these include a bayonet bipod telescope and night sight my favorite is the m203 grenade launcher which fires a variety of 40 millimeter grenades m203 that was it it, yeah. yeah There you go. So Amaz- Footloose is uh, giving us the lowdown. Amazing,
1: yeah. The tack pages are great. Yeah, and I love those posters. And the Tomahawk was the other one I had, but I think that that was in like the later, like the later monthly issues, possibly. Right.
0: Okay. Okay.